Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for October 29th, 2022 Saturday reading of the Arapahoe County News. My name is Pablo. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Colorado opting out of a federal program that tracks teen behavior as youth mental health worsens by Ray Ellen Bitchell. Aurora Council defense cuts to diversity office, public defender, police monitor in first round of budget voting by Max Levy. Official 2021 Colorado wildfire losses surpass $2 billion by the Associated Press. Community College of Aurora to Cut 30-Degree Certificate Programs by Jason Gonzalez and following up with miscellaneous articles. Colorado opting out of a federal program that tracks teen behavior as youth mental health worsens by Ray Ellen Bitchell, Kaiser Health News, October 28, 2022. As the COVID-19 pandemic worsened a mental health crisis among America's young people, a small group of states quietly withdrew from the nation's largest public effort to track concerning behaviors in high school students. Colorado, Florida, and Idaho will not participate in a key part of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Youth Risk Behavior Surveys that reaches more than 80,000 students. Over the past 30 years, the state-level surveys conducted anonymously during each odd-numbered year have helped elucidate the mental health stressors and safety risks for high school students. Each state has its own rationale for opting out, but their withdrawal, when suicides and feelings of hopelessness are up, has caught the attention of school psychologists and federal and state health officials. Some questions on the state-level surveys, which can also ask students about their sexual orientation, gender identity, sexual activity, and drug use, clash with laws that have been passed in conservative states. The intense political attention on teachers and school curriculums has led to a reluctance among educators to have students participate in what were once considered routine mental and behavioral health assessments, some experts worry. The reduction in the number of states that participate in the state-level CDC survey will make it harder for those states to track the conditions and behaviors that signal poor mental health, like depression, drug, and alcohol misuse and suicidal ideation, experts said. Quote, having that kind of data allows us to say, do this, not that, in really important ways, unquote, said Kathleen Ethier, director of the CDC's Division of Adolescent and School Health, which oversees the series of health surveys known as the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System. Quote, for any state to lose the ability to have that data and use that data to understand what's happening with young people in their state is an enormous loss, unquote. The CDC developed the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System in 1990 to track the leading causes of death and injury among young people. 
It is made up of a nationally representative poll of students in grades 9 through 12 and separate state and local school district level questionnaires. The questions focus on behaviors that lead to unintentional injuries, violence, sexually transmitted infections, pregnancy, drug and alcohol misuse, physical inactivity, and more. The decisions by Colorado, Florida, and Idaho not to participate in the state-level questionnaires will not affect the CDC's national survey or the local school district surveys in the states that have them. Part of what makes the survey a powerful tool is the diversity of information collected, said Norrin Dollard, a senior analyst with the Florida Policy Institute, a nonprofit research and advocacy group. Quote, it allows for the analysis of data by subgroups, including LGBTQ plus youth, so that the needs of these students who are at a greater risk of depression, suicide, and substance abuse than their peers are understood and can be supported by schools and community providers, unquote, said Dollard, who is also director of Florida Kids Count, part of a national network of nonprofit programs focused on children in the United States. The CDC is still processing the 2021 data and has not released the results because of pandemic-related delays, said Paul Fulton, an agency spokesperson. But trends from the 2009 to 2019 national surveys showed that the mental health of young people had deteriorated over the previous decade. Quote, so we started planning, unquote, Ethier said. Quote, when the pandemic hit, we were able to say, here are the things you should be looking out for, unquote. The pandemic has further exacerbated the mental health problems young people face, said Angela Mann, president of the Florida Association of School Psychologists. Nearly half of parents who responded to a recent KFF-CNN mental health survey said the pandemic had had a negative impact on their child's mental health. Most said they were worried that issues like self-harm and loneliness stemming from the pandemic may affect teenagers. But the CDC's survey has shortcomings, said health officials from some states that pulled back from it. Not all high schools are included, for example, and the sample of students from each state is so small that some state officials said their schools received little actionable data despite decades of participation. That was the case in Colorado, which decided not to participate next year, according to Emily Fine, School and Youth Survey Manager at the Colorado Health Department. Instead, she said, the state will focus on improving a separate study called Healthy Kids Colorado, which includes questions similar to those in the CDC survey and Colorado-specific questions. The Colorado survey, which has been running for about a decade, covers about 100,000 students across the state, nearly 100 times the number that participated in the CDC's state-level survey in 2019. Minnesota, Oregon, Washington, and Wyoming, which also have their own youth surveys, either never participated or decided to skip the previous two CDC assessments. At least seven states will not participate in the 2023 state-level survey. Fine said the state-run option is more beneficial because schools received their own results. In Leadville, a Colorado mountain town, 
A youth coalition used results from the Healthy Kids Colorado survey to conclude that the county had higher than average rates of substance abuse. They also learned that Hispanic students in particular didn't feel comfortable sharing serious problems like suicidal thoughts with adults, suggesting that opportunities to flag issues early were being missed. Quote, I feel like most kids tell the truth on those surveys, so I feel like it's a reliable source, unquote, said high schooler Daisy Monge, who is part of the Youth Coalition, which proposed a policy to train adults in the community to make better connections with young people. Education officials in Florida and Idaho said they plan to gather more state-specific data using newly created questionnaires. But neither state has designed a new survey, and what questions will be asked or what data will be captured is not clear. Cassandra Palelis, a spokesperson for the Florida Department of Education, said in an email that Florida intends to assemble a, quote, work group, unquote, to design its new system. In recent years, Idaho officials cited the CDC survey data when they applied for and received $11 million in grants for a new youth suicide prevention program called the Idaho Lives Project. The data showed the share of high school students who had seriously considered attempting suicide increased from 15% in 2011 to 22% in 2019. Quote, that is concerning, unquote, said Eric Studebaker, Director of Student Engagement and Safety Coordination for the State Department of Education. Still, he said, the state is worried about taking up class time to survey students and about overstepping boundaries by asking questions that are not parent-approved. Whatever the rationale, youth mental health advocates call opting out short-sighted and potentially harmful as the exodus erodes the national data collection. The pandemic exacerbated mental health stress for all high school students especially those who are members of racial or ethnic minority groups and those who identify as LGBTQ+. But since April, at least a dozen states have proposed bills that mirror Florida's parental rights in education law, which bans instruction about sexual orientation and gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. The law, which critics call, quote, don't say gay, unquote, and the intense political attention it has focused on teachers and school curriculums are having a chilling effect on all age groups, said youth advocates like Mann, the Florida school psychologist. Quote, Some of these discussions about schools indoctrinating kids has bled into discussions about mental health services in schools, unquote, she said. Since the law was adopted, some Florida school administrators have removed, quote, safe space, unquote, stickers with the rainbow flag indicating support for LGBTQ plus students. Some teachers have resigned in protest of the law, while others have expressed confusion about what they're allowed to discuss in the classroom. With data showing that students need more mental health services, opting out of the state-level surveys now may do more harm than good, said Frankie Krepo-Hobson, a professor of school psychology 
at the University of Colorado, Denver, who has used the National Youth Health Risk Behavior Data to analyze trends. Quote, it's going to make it more difficult to really get a handle on what's happening nationally, unquote, she said. Aurora Council Defense Cuts to Diversity Office, Public Defender, Police Monitor, and First Round of Budget Voting by Max Levy, Sentinel Staff Writer, October 28, 2022. Aurora Most of Aurora's City Council gave their blessing to the City's 2023 budget on Monday, including cutting vacant positions related to diversity and police oversight as well as proposed new positions in the Public Defender's Office. The cuts were first proposed during the group's October 8th budget workshop, where council members scrutinized vacant positions in part to make up for the $5.9 million deficit that would have been created by repealing the city's occupational privilege tax. At least for now, the council has rejected the idea of repealing the tax, but on Monday, Members stood by their decision to cut the positions from the city's Office of Diversity, Equality, and Inclusion, as well as a city office formed after the death of Elijah McLean to monitor the actions of police. The cuts and the refusal of the majority to reconsider led some council members to criticize the budgeting process and vote, quote, no, unquote, on the budget as a whole. Quote, I just want to express my significant disappointment with our inability as a council to prioritize meaningful things to our community. Things that our community has told us that, yes, they actually do want, and that express value to all members of our community, not just some. Unquote. Council member Allison Coombs said after unsuccessfully proposing to restore the position cut from the diversity office. Supporters of the cuts pointed out that the jobs had been vacant anyway, saying the rules were redundant and unnecessary for now. Quote, It was said earlier that a budget is a statement of values, and I agree with that. And one of the things that I value is not wasting taxpayer money on duplicative positions. Unquote. Councilmember Curtis Gardner said, The budget was voted on in four parts. Council members voted 7-3 to three to pass the first part, with Coombs, Juan Marcano, and Crystal Murillo voting, quote, no, unquote. The second part passed 9-1, to one, with only Coombs voting, quote, no, unquote. The final two parts passed unanimously. Cuts and Cop Reforms Last February, City leaders announced plans to create an internal office overseeing police activity while addressing the findings of a 2021 report that blasted police and firefighters for their role in Elijah McLean's death. At the time of the Council's October 18th budget workshop, the three full-time positions budgeted for the office had not been hired. City Manager Jim Twombly told the group Monday that the city was waiting to fill the three positions in part because their duties overlap with those of Integrisher, 
a risk management firm chosen in February to make sure the city complies with police and fire reforms outlined in a contract known as a consent decree with the state attorney general's office. Unlike the consent decree monitor, the independent police monitor exists as an office of the city. Twombly also said the city was waiting to see what policy recommendations emerged from the consent decree reform process. Quote, as it is, the consent decree monitor is looking at some of our practices and policies as to how we handle use of force, how we handle internal investigations, and so on, unquote, Twombly said. Quote, with that going on and the fact that we hadn't filled them, I felt it was okay to go ahead and eliminate those positions at this point in time. However, I do think it will be important in the future. Unquote. Aurora's independent police monitor was created as an internal entity to evaluate the behavior of Aurora police and field citizen complaints, while Integrisher was hired to ensure the city's compliance with public safety reforms agreed upon by the city and the state attorney general's office. Some council members questioned the cut, which saves the city just under $420,000, saying it may be useful to hire at least one employee who could work during and after the implementation of the consent decree, helping the city with the transition. Quote, I'm going to vote yes on this budget because all of the other services that we have to provide, but I'm not very disappointed in this budget. Unquote. Council member Angela Lawson said, Quote, it's kind of upside down on a lot of things, unquote. Lawson said, and Twombly confirmed, that the internal monitor fills a unique public communications role, accepting and investigating public complaints that is not necessarily being filled by Integrature. Lawson also said she was disappointed that the October 8th budget meeting wasn't televised, limiting the public's involvement in that part of the budget process. However, the city manager also told Councilmember Francois Bergen that he, quote, wouldn't strongly advocate, unquote, for filling the positions right now, and supporters of the cut said it was simply a cost-saving measure at a time when the monitor wasn't needed. Quote, there's no way I would support adding something that we already have, unquote, Bergen said. Quote, we already do this through the consent decree. I think the better option would be to put it in one year or two years from now as we get closer to seeing how we're doing with the consent decree." Unquote. Marcano and Coombs argued that the council should hire one person to stay on during the implementation of the consent decree and set the salaries of the other two aside within the budget. The proposal was ultimately voted down with Coombs Lawson, Marcano, Murillo, and Ruben Medina voting in favor and Mayor Mike Coffin breaking the tie against the change. The Economics of Inclusion The council also decided October 8th to cut a vacant manager position in the city's Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, which was created in 2020. Councilmember Steve Sundberg suggested the cut arguing that vacant positions offer the city the chance to save money. On Monday, 
Sundberg again questioned whether the office could justify the position and its budgeted annual salary of $157,900. Quote, It reminds me of Parkinson's Law, which states that work expands to fill the time available for its completion. Unquote, Sundberg said. Quote, Two people were getting the work done, and it was just not defended to refill the position. Unquote. Twombly told Murillo that the position was originally created to reduce the city's dependence on consultants for training employees. While many conservatives stood behind the cut, others, including local NAACP President Omar Montgomery, questioned how it reflected Aurora's priorities as a city. Quote, we'll talk about the diversity in the city of Aurora. We brag about it, unquote, said Montgomery who spoke during public comment at Monday's meeting. Quote, But do we have the infrastructure and support for the diversity that we have? I think the diversity office has shown, over time, that they have done amazing work in the city of Aurora. It is time to support those two offices. Unquote. Quote, A department or an office of three people is not that much. Unquote, Murillo said. Quote, it's like two steps forward with the creation of the office and one step back. Like we're not really, truly willing to fund the DEI office at the required staffing levels for it to be successful. Unquote. Coombs proposed to restore the job cut from the city's DEI office. That proposal failed with the same group voting, quote, no, unquote, that voted down the proposal to undo the police monitor cuts. Explaining his vote against reversing the cut, the mayor said he wanted to better understand what the position was created to do and whether the office was accomplishing its goals before he would support adding the job back. Kaufman also said he thought the city was, quote, biased, unquote, in favor of hiring employees rather than contractors who could do the same job less expensively and that the city should consider whether it would be better to hire a contractor instead. Cuts for the defense Close to $323,000 was also moved out of the budget of the city public defender's office on October 8th, though council members did not consider reversing that cut on Monday. Chief Public Defender Doug Wilson said the amount was going to be used for additional attorneys, including one more to represent clients in the city's weekend court. Council members also accepted the recommendation of a subcommittee of the Citizens' Advisory Budget Committee that the city analyze the costs of maintaining the city's public defender's office versus leaning on more of the state or private attorneys for legal services. Jono Scott, who chairs CBAC and volunteered for identifying cuts on the, quote, Efficiencies, unquote, subcommittee, said he believes changing how the city does business could save hundreds of dollars for each of the thousands of cases handled each year. Scott referenced the fact that Aurora is just one of two cities in Colorado, along with Denver, to operate its own public defender's office. Quote, All of those other cities, are they onto something? Unquote, he asked. Quote, we need public defenders. We're not suggesting to get rid of public defense. 
That's constitutional. That's something we need. But what we're asking is, can it be done in a more efficient way? Unquote. The Public Defender's Office serves adults in custody who earn 150% or less of the Federal Poverty Guideline, which works out to $1,699 per month for a single person, or who receive federal assistance such as food stamps. Adult defendants facing the possibility of jail time are constitutionally entitled to representation in criminal court. Domestic violence and motor vehicle theft are two jailable crimes that often wind up in district court in Colorado. But in Aurora, less severe domestic violence cases and car thefts may be charged as city code violations in the municipal court. A September 2021 report on the office funded by a Department of Justice grant said domestic violence charges make up, quote, the largest category of cases in the APDO's workload, unquote. The office is projected to handle 2,831 total cases, according to the city's budget. Scott said he divided the budgets of different agencies by their caseloads and found Aurora's office was incurring more costs per case, dividing the office's total adopted budget of about $1.9 million by the number of cases each case handled by the Aurora office cost the city around $678. By comparison, dividing the approximately $108.3 million budgeted of the state public defender's office for the fiscal year ending in 2021 by the 159,292 cases handled by that office gives a per case cost of $679.61. Another model for public defense presented by Scott was Colorado Springs, which contracts with five private attorneys to defend indigent clients in its municipal court. Attorneys there are paid a flat fee of $175 for two hours of work. Scott said, and a spokesman for Colorado Springs confirmed, that in the past two years, no attorney has been paid for working more than two hours on a case although they were appointed 3,242 times last year. Quote, I just think there are more efficient ways of doing this, unquote, Scott said. He also said that the majority of those cases are related to homelessness. Wilson said he did not believe Colorado Springs was comparable, as that city's court does not handle the serious and complex cases sometimes heard in Aurora's municipal court. Wilson said he also spoke with Kimberly Simmons of the state's Office of the Alternate Defense Council, which represents defendants in cases where local public defenders' offices report a conflict of interest. Scott suggested the office could be approached about taking on more of Aurora's cases. In a written response to questions asked by council members, Wilson said the office charges $80 per hour with a per-case cap of $2,000 or $4,000, depending on the severity of the alleged crime. He also said that, while the State Public Defender's Office has the authority to represent muni court defendants, it has never exercised that authority and is not fully staffed at present despite having an, quote, enormous workload, unquote. 
Wilson is personally familiar with that office, having worked in the state public defender's office for more than a decade. Scott's suggestion is for the city to undertake a cost analysis of the public defender's office to see if it would be less expensive to rely more on the state or contract with attorneys like Colorado Springs. Although they didn't debate the issue Monday night, lawmakers are also divided over the idea of farming out the city's public defenders. Councilmember Juan Marcano described Colorado Springs as a, quote, plea mill, unquote, alleging that the few hours spent on each case reflects a lack of investment by attorneys in their client's defense. Quote, it creates a perverse incentive for illegal representation in what is a constitutionally mandated service, unquote, Marcano said. Quote, I'm hoping that this whole thing goes nowhere, unquote. A majority of council members rejected a request for $322,800 to fund defense attorneys during the budget workshop, and council member Dustin Zvonik advocated in favor of the cost analysis saying shifting to a model like Colorado Springs had the potential to eliminate overhead costs. Quote, we're paying for everything instead of just what we need, unquote, he said. Zvonik suggested the requirement for weekend court was simply a scheduling challenge for the office, and Wilson questioned why the council granted the budgetary requests of other parts of the municipal court system related to weekend court if that was the case. A third-party workload analysis of the public defender's office undertaken this year found the office requires at least 12 full-time attorneys or their equivalents to handle the office's caseload, and Wilson said two of the three additional attorneys were requested in light of the study. Marcano likened the recommendation of the budget subcommittee to, quote, tough on crime, unquote, policies, sponsored recently by council conservatives, such as mandatory minimums for car theft and shoplifting. He argued that keeping Aurora's public defenders in-house would lead to better legal representation and that the call for a cost analysis was, quote, politically motivated, unquote. It's not the first time conservatives have targeted the public defender's office for cuts, Wilson said attempts were made to privatize the functions of the office in the 90s and 2000s. With the backing of the Arapahoe County GOP, Scott himself ran for the Ward 3 council seat that was won instead by progressive Ruben Medina in 2021. Scott said the goal of the Efficiencies Subcommittee has never been to limit the scope or quality of the legal representation offered to defendants in the municipal court. Quote, I don't want it to come across that we're out to hurt people. That's not my heart at all. What I think we're doing and can be done is helping, unquote, he said. Quote, I think it will help a lot of people, including the public defenders. But I'm aware now that the public defender's office doesn't think so. I've heard their perspective, and it's a logical one. But there's another side to it that's logical, unquote. Official, 2021 Colorado wildfire losses surpassed $2 billion by the Associated Press, October 27, 2022. Denver, 
a wildfire that destroyed nearly 1,100 homes and businesses in the northwest metro Denver last winter caused more than $2 billion in losses, making it by far the costliest in Colorado history, the state insurance commissioner said. Commissioner Michael Conway provided the update estimate last week during a meeting with residents who lost homes to the so-called Marshall Fire in Boulder County and other Colorado wildfires in recent years, the Denver Post reported Thursday. The Boulder County fire broke out unusually late in December following months of drought and is blamed for at least one death. Official estimates released days after the fire put the losses at more than $500 million. Experts say the winter grassland fire that blew up along Colorado's Front Range was rare, but that similar events will be more common in the coming years as climate change warms the planet, sucking the moisture out of plants and as suburbs grow in fire-prone areas. Conway said additional insurance claims and assessments of the scope of rebuilding from the wildfire prompted the new estimate. Quote, We're estimating now it will be $2 billion in claims if not more, unquote, he told residents last Friday. Investigators have yet to determine what caused the December 30th fire, which was fed by winds up to 100 miles per hour, and raced from the Rocky Mountain foothills eastward through unincorporated Boulder County and into the cities of Superior and Louisville. Another 149 homes and 30 businesses were damaged. According to the Rocky Mountain Insurance Association, the state's costliest wildfire had been the 2020 East Troublesome Fire in Grand County which destroyed 366 homes and caused $543 million in property damage. The association also says the Marshall Fire ranks 10th on a list of costliest wildfires in the nation. That list is led by the 2018 Cam Fire in Northern California, which it says caused $10 billion in property losses. The campfire killed 85 people destroyed nearly 19,000 homes, businesses, and other buildings, and virtually razed the town of Paradise. A Colorado Division of Insurance Analysis found that 67% of homeowners who lost their homes in Boulder County didn't have enough insurance to replace them, the newspaper reported. Following the wildfire, lawmakers passed several bills boosting firefighting resources and mitigation planning for fires that, owing to climate change and the West's mega-drought, have become a year-round threat in Colorado. Community College of Aurora to Cut 30-Degree Certificate Programs by Jason Gonzalez, Chalkbeat, Colorado October 26, 2022 Aurora The Community College of Aurora will phase out over 30-degree programs that school leaders say have low demand or less utility in the job market. The majority of the program cuts at the Aurora College focus on the arts, business, and computer and digital technology, according to Bobby Pace, Vice President of Academic Success. 
but classes that fall under those degree and certificate programs won't disappear. Instead, they will be offered as electives or as requirements for other degrees. An audit found low enrollment or little demand among local employers for the nearly three dozen degree and certificate programs. College President Mordecai Brownlee said the school wanted to make changes to its programs to better connect students to the job market. He said higher education has been slow to ensure students get the most value from their education. Quote, what do we need to do to be relevant in this space as educators to truly create opportunities for social and economic mobility? Unquote, Brownlee said. Cuts to degrees, but probably not the classes offered. Nationally, community colleges face declining enrollment due to the pandemic and more pressure for their courses to lead to a job as entry-level jobs offer higher starting wages than ever and the state faces worker shortages in areas such as health and technology, many people have called on colleges to focus more on providing students the skills needed for the workforce. Early this year, a state task force recommended connecting more adults, especially those from low-income backgrounds, to job training opportunities to the highest demand job fields. The recommendations appeared in a report on how the state should spend billions in federal pandemic relief money. Brownlee said the debate about how to educate students so the land guaranteed jobs is especially significant for a school that serves one of the most diverse populations in the state. About 67% of the Aurora College's students are of color, and half are the first in their families to go to college, Brownlee said. Those students typically don't make it to college at the same rate as their peers. Pace said the goal is to do away with those 30-degree and certificate programs and then incorporate their classes into other programs or offer some of the lessons as individual classes. For instance, Pace said he learned in conversations that leaders in industry no longer need graduates with certificates in Cisco systems or skills in computer networking. Instead, the college could offer what's taught in those classes as part of other classes that lead to an information technology degree. The school will phase out those programs as current students finish their degrees. The school has also reached out to former students who never finished their degree in those programs to give them an opportunity to complete it or direct them to another program. Quote, it really gives us an opportunity to re-engage with those students, unquote, Pace said. A de-emphasis on the arts or a revitalization but offering classes that don't lead to a degree in that specialty worries some. David Chatfield, who has taught art and art history at Community College of Aurora, said he worries the cuts to arts degree programs could de-emphasize the importance of art, even if classes still exist. He also worries that fewer programs in the arts will make it harder for students to connect to a subject they're passionate about. He also said he's concerned that the full job potential of art degrees isn't being factored into the cuts. 
Chatfield said the arts play an important role and contribute more than $13 billion to the Colorado economy. Cutting the programs, even if classes still remain, gives fewer Aurora students an opportunity to realize a job in the arts, he said. Chatfield said art skills might not be the most in demand, quote, but I think they're only looking at a very superficial amount of information, unquote. The college's visual and performing arts chair, Stacy D'Angelo, said the cuts may end up connecting fewer students to the arts, but she approves of creating more flexibility for students and instructors. For example, students will be able to take a theater class and graphic design class together that expand how they apply their Associate of Arts degree, she said. Quote, we're still going to be able to accommodate students in their goals and dreams, unquote, she said. Quote, we're just kind of naming it differently, unquote. Pace said changes needed to happen with the school's art degrees. In 2020 through 2021, only three students declared an art history major, 25 chose studio art majors, and 14 elected theater majors, he said. Quote, what we are working towards now is a revitalization of our arts offerings, not an elimination, unquote, he said. Quote, this may mean we aren't treating them as majors in the traditional sense, but that we are emphasizing their relevance and integration into our general education, unquote. A goal to create trust in the value of a degree. By eliminating the degrees, School officials said they hope to be more responsive. The school doesn't want students to graduate without finding jobs, which then makes the community question the school's value. Brownlee hopes the changes create urgency around addressing economic mobility for students. Quote, What good did we do for a former student who walked across the stage with a credential and it still doesn't land them where they need to be? Unquote, Brownlee said. Quote, so that's part of that trust. That's part of that integrity that we've got to bring back into these classrooms. Unquote. Job 1. Connecting Refugees and Immigrants to Vacant Colorado Jobs by Karina Julig, Sentinel Staff Writer, October 27, 2022. A bell, quote, dinged, Unquote, loudly inside a crowded conference room at the Community College of Aurora's Lowry campus on Saturday, immediately everyone cheered. The bell represented another person being hired at a job fair the college was hosting for newly arrived immigrants and refugees to the Denver area. One of the employers present, hotel company Extended Stay America, was hiring people on site and had a bell at its table that rang every time they offered someone else a job. Quote, we're trying to beat San Diego, unquote, District Manager Jesse Soderberg said. A similar job fair had been held in the city earlier in the year, where Extended Stay hired 35 people. The Colorado branch was trying to reach 36. By about 2 p.m., it had made 20 offers. Soderberg said Extended Stay has 18 hotels across Colorado and are hiring for a number of positions statewide. 
About a dozen Afghan refugees already work for the company, he said. Like Soderberg, a number of employers said the job fair came at the perfect time as many companies are experiencing hiring shortages or hoping to take on extra employees for the holiday season. State labor officials say the current unemployment rate has stayed essentially the same for several months, at about 3.4%, about the same as that nationwide. Job growth in Colorado, however, has been remarkable. Quote, Since May 2020, Colorado's private sector has grown by 435,400 jobs, compared to declines of 358,800 in early 2020, unquote, according to a statement from state labor officials. Quote, that translates to a job recovery rate of 121.3% and outpaces the U.S. rate of 105.3%. The job fair in Aurora over the weekend was organized by Welcome U.S., an organization founded in the wake of the fall of Afghanistan with the goal of making it easier for individuals and corporations to get involved in helping people who have newly arrived in the U.S. from other countries. The organization's initial focus was on helping Afghan refugees resettle in the U.S., but expanded to helping Ukrainians following the start of the Russian invasion at the beginning of the year. Now, it's gearing up to work with Venezuelans after the Biden administration announced earlier this month that it would accept up to 24,000 residents of the troubled country through a humanitarian parole program. Welcome U.S. has held hiring fairs at five other cities across the country so far this year, including San Diego, Seattle, and Atlanta, and will hold another in Sacramento next month. Quote, we want to inspire employers to hire refugees, unquote, said Maytham Alsludud, a director of partnerships for the organization. Aurora, which has been a hub for immigrants for decades and where one in five residents is foreign-born, was the perfect location for the organization's first event in Colorado. Multiple volunteers said that turnout was better than they expected. Asladud is no stranger to Aurora or its notoriety for being a place where immigrants settle and thrive. Before joining Welcome, he was Deputy Chief of Staff in Representative Jason Crow's office, and he is married to Iman Jode, who represents Aurora in the Colorado House of Representatives. Jode, a lifelong resident of Aurora, was also at the fair. Quote, I'm proud to live in the most diverse city in Colorado that can be the receiving community that welcomes our newest neighbors to Colorado to realize their American dream, unquote, she said. A native of Iraq, Asadud arrived in the U.S. in 2008 on a special immigrant visa after assisting U.S. troops in Iraq as a combat translator for three years. Working at Welcome U.S. allows him to draw on a number of personal passions and past professional experiences, he said, and he was glad he could bring the organization to his home. Quote, Aurora remains a welcoming community to newcomers, unquote, he said. Between October 2021 and September 2022, 
Colorado welcomed more than 2,700 immigrants from Afghanistan and Ukraine, according to the state's Refugee Services Program. Colorado expects to receive as many as 2,000 refugees from Ukraine alone through fall 2023. Around 900 refugees from Cuba have also arrived in Colorado in the past year, the state's website says. The Aurora Fair was geared towards refugees from Afghanistan and Ukraine, but was open to everyone, Ashladud said. One participant, Mohammed Nabizada, arrived in the U.S. three months ago from Afghanistan. He came to Aurora after first being sent to a military base in Virginia. He found out about the fair from an email from the school where he's taking English as a second language class. In Afghanistan, he was a medical student for several years and said he was hoping to get a job in a related field. There were over 20 employers at the fair, including Target, UC Health, United Airlines, Marriott International, and Rocky Mountain Assisted Living. There was a crowd around the Target booth throughout the day, which an employee said was at the beginning of the hiring for the holiday season and hoping to bring in hundreds more employees at local stores. David Maith, Chief Diversity Officer for UC Health, said that the level of education and experience of people at the fair exceeded his expectations. Quote, there are lots of people that we would love to work with, unquote, he said. An immigrant himself, Maeve came to America from the UK decades ago on an athletic scholarship and never left. He said he was struck by how driven and hardworking the people he spoke with at the fair were. One of the people he met was Maksud Akbari, a doctor who had been in the US for only 20 days. He and his wife Yalda Akbari left Afghanistan and spent several months waiting in Germany for their special immigrant visas to be processed. They wanted to come to Colorado because Yalda had attended college at CU Boulder. Quote, it's a beautiful state, unquote, he said. In Afghanistan, Maksud was a general practitioner but doesn't currently have the right licensure to practice as a physician in the U.S., he said he was hoping to get another role in the healthcare field at UC Health or another company while the family figured out plans. Evhenia, who asked that her last name not be published for the safety of family members who are still living in occupied territories in Ukraine, came to the United States three months ago with her husband and six-year-old daughter. The family is from Kherson, a port city on the Black Sea that has been occupied by Russian forces since early in the invasion and seen heavy fighting. Evania's husband is a chef, and she said that several years ago the family put almost all of their savings into a restaurant. Quote, we came here with zero budget looking for a job, unquote, she said. She heard about the job fair through a Facebook group for Ukrainians in Colorado, but the couple is still waiting for their work authorizations to come through. After Russia annexed Crimea in 2014, Evania started working as a field officer for the United Nations Commissioner for Refugees Helping People Who Were Being Affected by the Invasion. Quote, and right now, we are refugees, unquote, she said. When the war first started, the couple was volunteering a lot using Avenia's connections to try to get people food, medicine, and other necessities in the region, which had been cut off from the rest of Ukraine. 
but around them, she said that other people they were working with started to disappear. For the safety of their daughter, the family decided to leave. Quote, we understood that we needed to flee, unquote, she said. Around 250 to 300 people came through the job fair by mid-afternoon. Lyft partnered with Welcome US to give people free rides to the college, and about 100 people arrived in the bus chartered by the North Denver Islamic Center. Vicky Bogle, who helps coordinate volunteers for the organization, said that a lot more teenagers came to this fair than previous events, and many of them called their friends from the event and encouraged them to come. All the organization's events have gone well so far, she said, but, quote, this is one that feels a little extra special, unquote. Along with transportation, the organization also provided child care and interpretation services to make it as easy as possible for people to attend. The fair also had a resume workshop room where participants would work with a volunteer to strengthen or create a resume. Using a translator if needed, volunteers would help to input immigrants' previous educational and career experience into a resume template created by resettlement support organization React DC, which partnered with Welcome US to host the fair. Serena Khan, a senior project manager for Welcome who was helping people build their resumes, said that it was encouraging to see so many people come to the fair, including a lot of young people and women. One man who Khan had worked with for almost an hour on his resume had been hired on the spot by UPS for a job paying $27 an hour. Khan's family came to the U.S. from Afghanistan about 30 years ago as part of an earlier generation of immigrants. They weren't always made to feel welcome. Growing up in the post-9-11 era, quote, If I ever said I was Afghan, there was a silence in the room, unquote, Khan said. Khan said it was heartening to see how many support recent Afghan refugees are receiving and credited the immigrant community and veterans for creating a more welcoming environment. Quote, I'm just really grateful for that as an Afghan, unquote, Khan said. Thank you for joining us for the Arapahoe County News. My name is Pablo. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.